Uh, one of my favorite, lots of great stories from Puck this week, but maybe my favorite is Wednesday Water Day. A UPS driver gets out of his truck, pulls out his AirPods, and makes a run down the slip and slide. <laughs> Because, you know, you don't have AC in your truck, so who needs AC if you got a slip? So he did the slip slide, put his AirPods back in, and continued his delivery. So hope he doesn't get fired, but I hope he had a good time. So uh, a great time for everybody. Hey, uh, it was a number of years ago, I, for whatever reason, I had my keys, and I started looking at my keys, and I had this crazy thought. What do these things tell me about people? including myself. Ever ask yourself, what? because keys actually, I realize, tell us a lot about ourselves. Uh, keys tells me, first of all, I have stuff. Sometimes too much stuff, because I got too many keys. And, and it tells me I treasure that stuff. That's why I lock it. What's it tell me I think about others? Yeah, that's the way you go, oh. What, what's it, what do keys tell me I think about others? Uh, it tells me that sometimes I think they might like my stuff more than they like to work to get their own stuff, right? Keys actually tell me a, a lot about myself and about others, which makes me think about our verse this morning, James chapter 5, verse 12 is what we're going to look at, and it doesn't... T- doesn't speak about keys, but it speaks to a very same principle that keys tell us about ourselves. So here's what James chapter 5, we're just going to look at one verse this morning. It says, but above all, my brethren, do not swear. And he's not talking about cussing here. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But your yes is to be your yes, and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. So it's not about cussing, it's about making an oath, making a promise. And so an oath, a promise can be a bit like keys. They exist for a purpose. We have oaths to emphasize We're telling the truth, which indicates what? (laughs) We're not always convinced people are telling the truth. So when it doesn't happen much anymore, but it used to be in a court of law, place your hand on on the Bible, put your other hand in the air and promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. See, in other words, could a person put their hand on the Bible, say those things, and then still lie? Sure, they could. But the point was, no, this is a time where you need to tell the truth, and we need a little extra kind of incentive that you really are telling the truth. Put your hand on the Bible, because certainly you're not going to put your hand on the Bible and then not tell the truth. That's kind of the idea. The idea of a, an oath was to emphasize we're going to tell the truth uh, or to instill confidence that we're going to keep our word. The most obvious oath that many of us taken 
to, to promise that we're going to keep our word is our marriage vow. See, at some point, a guy said to a girl, hey, I'd like for you to be my wife. And she said, will you be faithful? And he said, sure. <laughs> and she said, let's get some witnesses to that. <laughs> and let's do that in front of a, a priest, a preacher. Yeah, ever wonder? I have every once in a while I have folks who, who say, hey, when we got married, there wasn't a pastor involved and we want to we wanna renew our vows with a pastor involved. Why? The same idea of putting your hand on the Bible. Certainly you're not going to lie to the... People say this to me, oh, I can't lie to him, he's the preacher. And I think, really? You lie to everybody else? But you can't lie to me? But there is that idea of we make oaths and, and lots of us wear a ring as a reminder of the oath that says, I'm going to be faithful till death do us part. See, that's the idea. My point, if you're, you're not catching me here, is that the use of oaths reveals what keys reveal? A, a level of distrust and or lack of reliability. It's a little bit of, a, of an unfortunate, if you will, but reality of how we see one another. Maybe it's because we know ourselves. We know our propensity to fudge on the truth at times or to break a promise. And so we engage in the practice of making oaths. Now, let's make sure we understand there are many examples in the Bible of people making oaths and God doesn't, hey, you shouldn't do that. What specifically our verse says is this, but above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. So you can fall under condemnation, judgment. So if there's use of oaths appropriate in the Bible, then why is he saying, hey, don't make any oaths by heaven or earth or any other? What's he getting at? Well, <clears throat> something we've learned as we've been studying through this letter is that James takes much of what he is saying from what, Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. And actually, we're going to see Matthew chapter 5 is where Jesus said almost these exact words. But as often has been the case so far, Jesus used more words. James used, uses less words. So if you go to Matthew chapter 5, if you have a copy of the Bible, I invite you to do so. If not, Again, it'll be up here. But Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And after giving what we know to be the Beatitudes, Jesus uses this expression. You've heard it said multiple times. And he's going to deal with a number of topics. And this one he says, again, you've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. All right. So he is introducing in verse 33, a new topic, but I, I want you to understand the context. In other words, Jesus has already said, you've heard it said that you shall not murder. And then he talks about 
But if you have called someone a fool or hated someone in your heart, though you actually haven't murdered them, you have broken the law. You shall not murder because the letter of the law is, yes, don't take their life. But the spirit, the intent of the law is you shall value humanity and life. And then he says, second example, you shall not commit adultery. But if you lust in your heart after another woman, you have, even though you didn't actually commit adultery with her, in reality, actually, you have in your heart. And so you, haven't, you have obeyed the letter of the law, don't commit adultery, but you have actually broken the spirit of the law to honor marriage and honor your wife, your husband. You see, what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount in this section is saying, we have this capacity to say we have obeyed the law when in fact we haven't obeyed the law. We checked the box of obeyed the letter of the law, but we actually disobeyed the intent of the law. So he dealt with murder. He dealt with adultery. So in other words, he dealt with life. Then he dealt with marriage. Now he is dealing with the letter of the law as our word Versus the intent of the law of our word. So he says, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. What's he talking about? Have you ever made an oath by heaven? Uh, maybe you have. I, I don't recall ever making an oath by heaven or by earth, and I certainly don't ever recall making an oath by Jerusalem. <laughs> but in Jesus' day, and remember, James is writing Jewish people. Jewish people in Jesus' day understood if I make a vow to the, to the Lord, then I am obligated to keep it. And if I make a vow in the name of the Lord and then I don't keep it, then I am actually incurring the judgment of God for bringing him into it and then breaking my vow. So they decided, well, I'll make a vow, not by the Lord, but by heaven. That's bigger than me. But if I don't keep that vow, I actually didn't make it in the Lord. Therefore, I am not incurring judgment. I'm giving myself flexibility. You know what I mean by flexibility, right? To wiggle my way out of keeping my word. Because I didn't actually do it in the name of the Lord. I did it in the name of heaven or in the name of earth. According to the earth upon which I stand, I promise. Well, that sounds serious. And I go, what, what, why do we take an oath? To emphasize we're telling the truth. To emphasize we're going to keep our word. By heaven, according to the heavens above, I will do it. That sounds serious. 
But the letter of the law says, uh, only if I did it in the name of the Lord do I have to keep it. You see the loophole? Now, when you were a kid, what was the loophole? Cross my fingers. You probably haven't tried that as an adult with somebody. Oh, that was my fingers. <laughs> Sorry, bank. My fingers were crossed when I made the promise to repay. That wouldn't go very far. But it's the same principle we practice as kids. My fingers were crossed. In other words, Jesus is simply saying, and James is, re is reinforcing this whole idea of making an oath is not to create flexibility, not to do it in a manner that makes it sound like you mean it, but in, you are creating yourself a, leap, a loophole. He's saying, don't make oaths that actually you do not intend to keep. But that happens actually all the time. You didn't really intend to do it, but you knew you needed to make it sound like you intended to in the moment. He's confronting the intentional creating of loopholes so that we can break our word, not speak the truth. And he says, first of all, your... Your loopholes, these misleading oaths, are theologically flawed. Now you may go, I don't know what you mean, theologically flawed. In other words, these misleading oaths represent a misunderstanding of God and who he is. What did he say? Go back to it. Make no oath at all either by heaven for it is the throne of God. So in other words, when you make an oath by heaven, you actually are making an oath by God because it's his throne. Or by earth. Well, that's the Lord's as well. Or by Jerusalem. Well, that's the Lord's as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, you're trying to create semantics here where you're not saying the Lord, but a proper understanding of the Lord is everything is his. And when you swear by anything, you actually are swearing by the Lord. See, in Jesus's day, they would have said in the court, yeah, I placed my hand on the Bible. Well, that's not God. I placed my hand on the Bible. Well, what is the Bible? It's the word of God. And so even by doing that, we're acknowledging, when we swear by this, we're swearing by the Lord. So he is saying these loopholes, they don't exist if you have a proper understanding of God. Because heaven is his, earth his, Jerusalem his. Whatever you swear on. It's his. So your loophole doesn't theologically exist. But more important than that is this, these misleading oaths were undermining the intent. Let's be people of our word. 
Let's just be people of our word. Don't murder. What's the intent? (laughs) Value human life. Don't commit adultery. It's not just a specific act. It's what intent? Honor marriage. Don't make false oaths. Don't make oaths that you feel like you can get rid of. Why? That's what the intent. Be people who can be trusted. If you say it, make sure it's true. If you promise it, make sure you keep it. That's the intent. Let your yes be yes. No, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. In other words, it's going beyond what's necessary because our word ought to be sufficient. Many confronts a second problem. Verse 36, Jesus says, no, nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Now, how many of you would beg to differ about that, actually? (laughs) Some of you are going, actually, Jesus, I I made it black. (laughs) Because I didn't want everybody thinking it was, I was that age. Now, is he talking about hair dye? Of course not. What's he saying? He's saying when you cannot make one hair white or black, don't make an oath on your head. Some people start graying when they are 15, 16. Some people don't gray in their 50s. Can you control that? No, you can't. No, hair dye, you could go. No, I could change it. But you cannot actually go, I will not go bold. I will not go gray. 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 I will not go bald. <laughs> I can't do that. If we could, you, you would. All Jesus is simply saying is this. Don't make oaths that are beyond your control to keep. Don't make oaths you don't intend to keep and don't make oaths that are beyond your control to keep. And sometimes in emotional moments or sentimental moments or angry moments, we say stuff that is beyond our control. I don't know if any of you watch Wimbledon. Literally none of you watched Wimbledon. Okay, it was like you were embarrassed. Uh, Yes, I watched Wimbledon. Wimbledon, if you don't know, is a famous tennis tournament played in England on grass. It's one of what are called the four majors in professional tennis. And I actually love tennis, and so I watched Wimbledon, I watched, and some, I know a few of you are going to harass me about this, I watched the men's final, and I watched the women's final. I hit with a guy who's like, you don't watch the women's final. Yes, I watched the women's final. And what I saw was this. The number six girl in all the world from Tunisia, Anz Jabour, 
was in her third major in her professional career. She was playing a gal from Czechoslovakia in the Wimbledon final who was unranked in the world, Bondrosova. And so she was wildly favored to win. And she lost. And she was devastated. And one of the realities, if you don't ever watch tennis, is that after a final is over, they do the, the public presentation of both the first and the second, and they put the microphone in front of the loser. And oftentimes, the loser is very gracious and complimentary of the winner. And she was so dejected. I literally, I don't think I've ever seen someone so dejected in their loss and just couldn't be gracious. She was just so devastated. And she looked up to her box, her team, her coaches, her family who had come to support her. And she pointed at them in her speech and said, and one of these days, we're going to win one of these. And maybe it's just because I'd been studying the text, but I was like, oh, you can't say that. I knew she was trying to instill confidence in them that I won't give up. But could she promise? No. She might, I don't mean to be rude, she might not be walking next year. Wimbledon might not exist next year. That's a crazy world. But sometimes we make promises that we don't intend to keep and other times we make promises we can't keep. And at core, Jesus is saying what James says now in chapter 5, verse 12. Be people of your word. This isn't complicated. What? <laughs> your yes is to be your yes and your no, no. So that you may not fall under judgment. It's very simple, simple path forward. Be truthful. Now, I, I know that nobody's going, really? We should be truthful. But before we scoff at that, do you realize how scarce truth is becoming in our culture? Yeah. I was just struck as I got to this text, like, oh, we don't really need to talk about telling, wow, we need to talk about telling the truth. Because in our day, where we used to count on like core things like the news, now I don't care what you watch, you have to watch going, that's probably not true. It's probably, well, check it on the internet. Well, that's probably not true. How do I know which, have you ever asked yourself, how do you know what's true anymore? See, church, and by that I don't mean a building, I mean people who call themselves followers of Jesus. There's never been more of a crucial time in history that we be truth tellers because it's out of style, it's about to become extinct. It's an endangered species truth. And if we're not careful, we'll 
we'll become the same people who just tell our version of the truth. See, I want you to, I genuinely want you to know, by God's grace, when you come here, you can be sure I will always tell you the truth. And, and whether it's popular or not, and even my stories, because preachers are notorious for exaggerating. Well, that's just a, a nice way of saying, not telling the truth. So some of you were here last week, and I told the story about the $5. And my friend said, was that really true? And he wasn't questioning my character. He was going, that was just so outrageous. But I hear sometimes people tell stories and I go, come on. Did it really happen that way or is that just enhanced to make it better? And I'll do my very best to tell things exactly the way they are because as soon as you start to wonder about my stories, then you ought to start wondering about everything else I say. This is why what I hope you can always count on at Christian Family Chapel is we're not going to hear opinions. We're going to hear truth. We're always going to give ourselves to unpacking what does the scripture say. That way we'll stay on truth. Let's be truthful. It sounds simple. But I watch men, women in business. It's hard to tell the truth. Because everybody around you is not telling the truth. And they're getting ahead by not telling the truth. And you're going to feel like you're going to get left behind by telling the truth. Tell the truth. Let's trust that the Lord will honor the truth. And I can trust in him. What did Matt read earlier? Read, I'm sure, over in North. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. I can trust. I believe this. I can trust in the God who tells me to tell the truth. So let's be people of truth. Second, well, with or without an oath. See, you know, what I, I don't like is that you read lots of people on James 5.12 and their whole argument is, are you supposed to tell, use an oath? Is it wrong to use an oath? Now, that's not the point of the text. The point of the text is whether, you, whether you're required to sign a marriage license or place your hand on the Bible, you don't make a big stink about that. Don't get all wound up about that. Just be committed. With an oath or without an oath, tell the truth. And be trustworthy. In other words, keep your promise with or without an oath. It's so valuable to be people who know, hey, when that person talks, 
I know them to be truthful. I know them to be honest. And if they said they'd do something, they'll do it. I can trust them. See, can people trust you? Can your spouse trust you? Can your kids trust you? Can your boss trust you? Can your employees trust you? That you'll tell them the truth and that you'll keep your promises. That's what this text is about. I met my wife at a school called then Columbia Bible College, now called Columbia International University. The president at the time was a man by the name of Robertson McQuilkin. And while we were students there, it began to be revealed, not publicly, but understood privately that his wife, whose name was Muriel, was beginning to suffer from early onset of Alzheimer's. She was counseling one of uh, my wife's friends, and she would come back and say, I just don't feel like she's a very good listener. She asked me the same questions, session after session. But it wasn't widely known. Then, a few years after we graduated, Robertson resigned his presidency of the university. And here is what he wrote to alumni constituents. 22 years is a long time. Uh, but then again, it can be shorter than one anticipates. And how do you say goodbye to friends you do not wish to leave? He had been president for 22 years. The decision to come to Columbia was the most difficult I have had to make. The decision to leave 22 years later, though painful, was one of the easiest. It was almost as if God engineered the circumstances so that I had no alternatives. Let me explain. My dear wife, Muriel, has been in failing mental health for about 12 years. So this had been going on, her showing signs of Alzheimer's for 12 years before it went public. He says, so far I've been able to carry both her ever-growing needs and my leadership responsibility at Columbia. But recently it has become apparent that Muriel is contented most of the time she is with me and almost none of the time I am away from her. And it's not just discontent. She is filled with fear, even terror, that she has lost me and always goes in search of me when I leave home. He writes later, the walk to school, but from their house to the president's office, is a mile round trip. She would make that trip as many as 10 times a day. 10 times speed walking, trying to find me. Sometimes he wrote, at night when I helped her undress, I'd find her bloody feet. So it's clear to me, he says, that she needs me now, full time. The decision was made in a way 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness, 
and in health till death do us part. So as I told the students and faculty, as a man of my word, integrity has something to do with it. He writes, I've been startled by the response to the announcement of my resignation. Husbands and wives renewing marriage vows, pastors telling the story to their people. It was a mystery to me until a distinguished oncologist who lives constantly with dying people told me, almost all women stand by their men. Very few men stand by their women. Uh, this is simply from a little book he wrote, A Promise Kept. And it was simply his story of saying, I had so many people think this was so complicated. Should I remain president? I was at the peak of my career. The university was thriving. This is what God had made me to do. And she'll never know. And you can just put her in an institution and... Uh, and he, as you heard him write, said, everybody thought it was complicated but me. It wasn't hard. I had made my promise 42 years ago. And it was just about me keeping my word. And it's so unheard of that when it gets hard, we still tell the truth. And when it gets really hard, we still keep our word. And I want to keep it simple. Let's let our yes be and our no be no. Let's keep our word. See, because he says, why? Yes, yes, no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. You know what judgment he's talking about? This. Look, look up here, please. He simply means this. So that a watching world doesn't look at we who call ourselves Christians and say, just like everybody else. There's no difference, but you're just like everybody else. You break your promises and you fudge the truth. It shouldn't be, well, women are better at it than men. No. Do not lie to one another. Since you, why? Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practice and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Can, can I unpack that very simply for you? Don't lie as followers of Jesus because Jesus doesn't lie. And that's who you are growing into. That's whose image you were created in. God doesn't lie. You were created in his image. Don't lie. God keeps his word. You were created in his image. 
keep his word. Don't fall under the condemnation that you're just like everybody else. See, there's, there's never a time more important that is the church. Again, not a building. Church is people. That the people of God tell the truth, keep their word at work, at home, in marriage, as parents, as pastors, as neighbors. We keep our word. We speak the truth for this simple reason. Our God is true and he is trustworthy. And we're to reflect him. Our God is true and he is trustworthy. So if you're a child of God, if you would call yourself a Christian, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. But a few years back, I was doing premarital and the first session, I asked the bride-to-be about her own relationship with God. And as I explained to her what a relationship with God meant, she said, mm, I've got trust issues. And I looked at him and said, well, that'd be important for you to know. <laughs> Seriously. And I said, tell me more. What do you mean, trust issues? Well, I know that to be a Christian means to to trust in Jesus, and I've got trust issues. I didn't ask her the specifics, but anyone who has trust issues has story, right? Maybe too many stories of broken promises, of lies. And so I said, well, here's a Bible. And I marked a chapter four, and I said, why don't you read that chapter? And I marked another chapter, and I said, why don't you read this chapter? And just come back next time and tell me what you think. She came back next time and said, that was interesting. I learned a lot. You prepared to trust him? No. I understand. Why don't you read this? For six months, we did this. And then she came back one session before they were to get married, and she said, I've read it enough. I'm prepared to trust him. And she, in my office right over here, with her husband-to-be, bowed her head, and she trusted in Jesus. Because he's the truth. but I can't convince you of that. You have to come to that conclusion. And if you're not sure, all I can do is encourage you to, to read this book. And I think if you will read this book, you'll come to the conclusion sooner or later if you'll keep reading. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you'll find life in him because he is faithful. If we can help you in that process, we would want to. We're not pressing you. But we, who are children of God, 
have found him to be trustworthy. And we want to be people who are trustworthy as well. Let's stand together and let's sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou of the characteristics of the Lord. He's compassionate. He fails not. He is provider. He loves us. He cares for us. And we are so glad that you joined us for worship this morning. And the Lord loves you and he desires a personal relationship with you. He loves you. And so we're so grateful that you're here for worship with us this morning. And just want to remind you on your way out to Power Surge, if you'll remember to go pick up your kiddos where you dropped them off, that would be great. Um, and then head out to Power Surge to join us for a lot of fun. Again, if we can serve you in any way, would you please let us know? It would be a privilege to do so. Thanks for joining us this morning.